Hello and welcome to the 95th episode of Downtime Podcast, aka SideQuest. How's it going, Elisa? You know what? It's going. It's going. It's been like yeah. a really long two weeks, but it's like it's going. So. Yeah. No, I feel it. Um, but the weather's been nice in the bay, which tomorrow is tomorrow pretty... is spring. Yeah, tomorrow's the first official day of spring in the northern hemisphere. So that's pretty exciting. It's um, if it feels weird, really weird, because since we're older and since we have such monotonous jobs that time passes by faster because you're doing your nine to five. It's already the middle past the middle of March. And that freaks me out. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I've noticed that when I started my new job, everything seemed to go by really fast when I, even when I was doing nothing and at my old gig, I guess it's because I just didn't like it. And that's why everything moves so slowly. But you know, I love what I do now and I, I love the people that I work with. And I think that's probably why it kind of makes things go faster is because and that's when great. you yeah when you like what you do and you like the people that you work with and you kind of just overall like the company that you work for and the culture I, I think that just adds up to a better faster work day not and it could be a bad thing if you're trying to you know meet a deadline but if you're just like working on some you know back-end tasks that does that really doesn't have a deadline then i think that it's fine you know it's fine would you say that what you're doing right now was what you studied for in college? Absolutely not. <laughs> and there were there are some people on my team that went to college for the same thing. They went to college for cinema for a different a different school, obviously. But um, we were talking about how we kind of led on this path that went to somewhere else, and we just went our went through. You know, we did the film stuff, and then you know we kind of we needed something more stable. Or, you know, for whatever reason, like, you kind of find your own way doing something. And, yeah, we all kind of agreed that we all ended up here for something else. But we all went to school for something else, but we ended up here doing something that's completely different. And that's kind of, like, how a lot of things work. There are a lot of people that are in business that end up becoming filmmakers. Or there's a lot of people that realize that they didn't want to be web developers. They wanted to be dentists. So, you yeah. know, life is, life is funny in that way, where you kind of just take a turn and hey you're doing something that you never thought you'd be doing in a thousand years i feel like years ago like decades ago there was a pressure especially after the 50s where you to be domesticated and to be settled the job that you kind of have is the job that you continue on with forever but now at least what i like about the millennial one of the one of my favorite things about what the millennial generation brought is that you can if you if you put your mind to it you can pursue whatever you want no matter how old you are like i remember when i was in college there was legit like a 55 year old dad who was back in college because his son already moved out and he was like well i actually don't want to do this anymore i want to become an engineer and he was he was in my math classes that is dope. I know. So it, it's what's great is it's never too late for anything. It feels yeah. more real now than it's ever felt. 
Yeah, I've met some people, or I'm sorry, specifically a woman in my film classes, and she was like much older, like much, much, much older. And then she was talking to us about how her son is like doing this and that and how she wanted to go into just filmmaking. She just wanted to you know, like collaborate and make movies. She wanted to do like a myriad of different things as long as there was a set she wanted to help out. She was so nice, super, super That's nice. Awesome. And, yeah, and she realized that, you know, she wanted to go in a different direction later on in life. And that's just how it works. You know, like you you, re- you kind of look back on what you did and you think about what you want to do now, you know. And sometimes going back on your point, it's maybe the thing you're looking for, you didn't know existed until it makes an appearance in front of you. Like for me, when I was trying to find a new job, I was like applying to all these different places from like a role that I was currently in to, um, you know, roles that I didn't think fit me. And one of the jobs that I applied for is the job I ended up getting. And I didn't think twice of it. I was just like, all right, well, this looks like it's going to be interesting. I'll just apply here. And I was applying on all these other places and not hearing anything back until this place called me back. And they're like, oh, hey, we, we like, really like your resume. Can you uh, tell us more about you? And, and then I passed that stage. You went to the interview stage after the interview stage. I got the job and it was given the offer letter. So it's more like to say that you should always persevere in whatever that you want to do. And sometimes even if you do give up hope, your path may take you somewhere else that you never knew was there or didn't expect it. You know, like it's, if you come across a fork in the road, do you go left or right? Well, some people, they might think outside of the box and go down the middle or go to the left or go to the right. You know, it's like you don't really have to judge. You don't have to go in the direction that others should perceive you to go or or the notion that you should go shouldn't be the one that you think you should go. It should be the one that you feel you should go towards. I don't know. That was like a lot of different things in one sentence. But um, yeah, uh, I, I, my advice to anyone that is. Uh, trying to find a job or thinking about making a a change in their career in life, you know, it's just act on what you feel is right. Because sometimes when you, when you don't think it's the right choice, you know, think about it a little bit more and maybe it is the right choice. Some, the gut is one hell of a mind reader. Absolutely. I remember, um, Because currently my role is like half management, half technical. And when I originally went to college, I was doing a lot more technical stuff. And uh, to be honest, I really like I don't mind that aspect of all at all. I like it. But there was just so much more to me that I just didn't. It's one of those things where you go through your classes and you're in front of a computer all the time. And finally when i left college i i realized oh holy shit like i did i do not want to be in front of a computer this entire time like there's more to me like i have ideas for stories and i like to manage people and i just i like to kind of be a hands-on person i like wearing all the hats and you know, being in a lot of leadership positions throughout my entire life, I just, there there was just, I felt like there was more to me than just being a programmer. And don't get me wrong, like, pro being a programmer is totally fine. It's just for me personally. 
So um, I just kind of like followed my gut and I just now I am where I am right now. And I, I do feel a lot better. Like I it's kind of interesting because when you go into college and you start off with computer science or you start off with software development of some degree, typically when you're doing it, you're going into like 95% of what's the most popular focuses to go into is databasing, cybersecurity, um, networking. Yeah, not, IT. <laughs> IT, like all of these different things. Like going into kind of animation and graphics is like not only like one of like the least popular things to do with computer science, but it's probably the lowest paying type of computer science developer that you can be. And I know for a fact that um, like just when I had a lot of classes in college and they had to do with networking or they had to do with databasing, I didn't do as well in those classes. But like those are the classes that like Google will hire you for or whatever. But then when I had like classes on computer graphics, like those were the classes that like I got like A's on all the time. And I just like, I think another piece of advice that I have to give is that um, like don't, if it don't do what everyone else is doing or what people tell you, is financially stable or like fine sorry financial being financially stable is a good thing but i guess what i mean by that is like just because something pays over like 150 doesn't mean that you're going to be happy like what if something pays like 80 but it brings you the most happiness so just because something is the most popular thing it doesn't necessarily mean it's like the most right thing for you absolutely you know having more money always has its caveats. You know, you, you're in the next tax bracket, you got to pay more taxes. Um, maybe the company might take more out of your, you know, your, uh, your paycheck because of healthcare reasons or whatever. Uh, yeah, it just like, doesn't, you don't always have to have, you don't always have to equate money to happiness and moving up in the world should be a natural thing, not kind of an instant thing. A lot yeah. of recent, a lot of recent grads expect to be making like fifty to sixty k when they come out of college. I'm like, no, you're gonna start a lot lower than that. <laughs> I had some classmates that were upset that they weren't making over a hundred in their first job, and I'm like, holy Jesus! Like, I'm lucky <laughs> if you hire me and I get like seventy or like sixty. You know what I mean? It's just like what, like yeah. you know, like that's even like that's like a one in a million chance. And then you, Absolutely. and then there's some people where it's just like, oh, but I'm applying for Facebook, and Facebook overpays everyone. And I'm like, oh, well, like Facebook is an anomaly. You know what I mean? Like right. they're not like every single company. And does more pay equal happiness in your job? Ah, uh, you know that's debatable. You know, you might not like your team, you might not like your boss, you might not like the, the nature of your work. One thing that I especially learned in college and just like going through my professional life is. You can be at whatever company, but the department you get put into, if you don't like that department and if you don't like your direct supervisor and you don't like the projects, then the company is just a name. Absolutely. And I think it's kind of safer to say now, but Elise and I used to work together at an ad agency and we didn't really like our 
team so much. Like there are people in our team that we didn't like and our boss we didn't like. <laughs> so, yeah. It was really frustrating at least for me because I felt creatively stifled in that position. And as I said earlier, I want my job to be more than just kind of doing the task. I feel like I want to actually sit in meetings and there's a brainstorming meeting and we're thinking of ideas and I actually want to be an idea maker. So yeah. that's so just this whole entire like, don't get me wrong, that job really helped because because that was a point in my life where I was I was balancing so many different like jobs and side jobs just because I was trying to like make money and like eventually get into a company that like will just offer me like one stable job but like that did teach a lot of just that that taught in general how to multitask as well as teach a variety of different projects and it's one of those things where it creates a good I I guess like work ethic but I wouldn't necessarily say that that work ethic was because of something inspirational yeah no i i agree uh i think that the job that job specifically taught me how to organize my time how to um basically just like uh, get things done quickly and on time basically project management and when i carried that over from my from that job to my current job like i I realized like my mindset was completely different going into this new job. The, the new job was like, hey, man, take it easy. It happens when it happens. The old job was like, OK, do it now. Do it now and do it fast. And so going from that that space to a new space where everything is a lot slower for me, it just sometimes I feel anxious because I have nothing to do. I'm just sitting there like, what do I do? Like, <laughs> Is there something I need to be doing? And they're like, no, there's nothing you need to be doing. It's week three for you. Just like chill. And I'm like, OK, cool. You know, it's like and I'm like sitting there like, OK what should I be doing? Like I'm literally on Facebook, like chatting with you. Like, Hey, Elisa, how's it going? Because I have nothing to do, but I'm that, that's not to say that I'm like worthless or useless there. Like I do get anxiety. Cause I'm like, do they really need me for anything? Like seriously, I, I sit there and I'm thinking like, this is my boss going to fire me? Because that's kind of the mindset that I came from. It's like, if I'm not doing something or, or if I don't look busy, then I'm screwed. You know, yeah, pretty much like it, it, I, if if someone sees you doing something wrong or like you know out of the job then they're going to be like why are you doing that you know why are you why are you looking at that when you should be working but that that was that was where i came from and but now it's like everyone's like on twitch or like on amazon or like you know on youtube like one screen is for youtube one screen is for work and they're watching the youtube video and i'm like wow this is this is a lot different this is a really weird change of pace and it's okay and, you know, it's okay to be doing that. I'm like, this is okay. In my mind, I'm like, this is so weird. But I think I just need to embrace it more and kind of get out of that old mindset. And th- there's still parts of my mind that are lingering from that old job um, where someone w- I felt like someone was constantly looking over my shoulder, making sure I was doing what I was supposed to do instead of where now it's like, hey, man, uh, get this done when it's done. I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, man, just take your time. I know you're still learning. And I'm like, well, but I have to do it now. You know, I get it done quickly. And, and there's a surprise when I do something quickly. They're like, why'd you, wow, that was really fast. I'm like, yeah, I know what's next. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I need to learn to just take it at a slower pace and not worry about any 
external force that's going to come down on me and smite me. Yeah. Um, my advice to anyone that is looking for a job or looking to change their job is like, look for something that where the people appreciate what you do, appreciate you as a human and take their time in teaching you um, what they know and how to do it instead of them like constantly pressuring you to do it and learn it quickly. Um, make sure that whatever, whoever is teaching you how to do something, make sure that they want to make sure that you know what you're doing, because I think that's important when going into a new job. Yeah. Some supervisors and mentors don't care. Or they want you to learn everything by yourself. Which I'm not a fan of. Honestly, I, I, it may sound like hand-holding, but if you don't understand something, you should not be afraid to ask a question. You should be like always asking questions, even if they, they get to an annoying point. If you think they get to an annoying totally. point. Because if you screw it up, then you know that's all on you because you weren't given the proper guidance. Yeah. But if you if you get the proper guidance and are told exactly what to do and how to do it, then you know I think it's going to be better for you in the long run because then you know knowing that asking questions is not a bad thing is better than not asking questions and screwing up. Agreed. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, um, you know, again, I, I'm not saying that the last place that we were at was a bad thing. It definitely helped jumpstart a lot of where Elisa and I are now. I mean, this podcast is a product of our kind of our, our creative uh, frustration from that previous place. Yeah. And and look where we are now. You know, don't listen to episode one. Just saying, look where we are now. <laughs> I swear to God, guys. I swear to God. <laughs> Look, we evolved. We're different people now. That was not us. <laughs> all right. It was us, but we were naive. All right. We were two years younger. You know, you, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. <laughs> um, Going off of uh, one of the questions on our Discord from PJ Sucks, um, aside from anything academic, what what would our 27 year old self wish that our college self knew because we already talked about a lot of the academic related stuff but what about other life lessons oh wow okay i have several things or do you want to go first i feel like it's one of those things where i'd spout them off but i i guess i'll go with one thing first yeah so so Okay, this is going to sound really bad, but... Nope, just, just do it. <laughs> All right. I wish that my... I wish that when I was in college, I was more satisfied and I didn't worry so much about grades. And what I mean by that is, like, there's a saying that says C's get degrees and god what a what a fucking true ass statement because i know yeah. like yeah like god your gpa really doesn't matter and then here i was in college and i would freak out cuz i was always a border like for me my gpa i was always borderline 3 which is basically like b like straight b yeah and but what would happen is, is like I'd get an A in one class and I'd get a C in another class and I was always so worried about my GPA. And basically what I what 
like especially to what I do now at 27 god I wish my I wish I could tell my like former self hey man like you're gonna be in a career where no one gives a shit about your GPA and you're not going to be operating a surgery on someone like it's going to be okay just take the C plus or like you know what I mean like it's not that big of a deal (laughs) I wish I I wish that like in hindsight what I wish someone told me when I went to college was hey Look at the career that you're actually going to go in, that you think that you might go into. And if it is not medical, anything medical related, then, like, if you don't get straight A's, it's it's going to be okay. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I was always a C kid. I did get A's and B's here and there, but mostly I just wanted to pass because maybe I just didn't have the hindsight or maybe I, I did, but I didn't realize it um, that I knew that I didn't need to have good grades to, you know, to get to where I am now because, you know, in middle school and even before that, you're taught get good grades, high school, get good grades, college, get good grades. After that, it's like, does your report card even matter to your boss? He's going to look at it and go, all right, well, it looks like you passed all your classes. Otherwise, you wouldn't have graduated. <laughs> like, they don't yeah, care. Yeah, pretty much. You know, like, no one really cares out after college. You can get you can get whatever grades you want for any of your classes. You don't have to compare yourself to others, you know? It's like yeah. my brother My brother did a lot better than me in school. Like, he, he got a lot better grades than me. And I just didn't care. I know my parents were kind of worried about me. Um, they kind of sent me to like, uh, like Kumon because they thought like, oh, like oh the math. Yeah, they want class? they wanted me. Yeah, because I wasn't like a super straight A kid in math. I didn't do very well in math. I because I just didn't care about it. Like I'm like, all right, I just tell me how to do a subtraction, division, addition, multiplication, and I'll do my taxes, and I'll you know I'll I'll pay for rent. <laughs> That's all I need to do. And after that, like. I'm not going to square anything when I'm paying for rent. You know, I'll just multiply it or I'll just divide it or I'll subtract it. When I do yeah. rent, when I calculate my rent, I add up the total, I subtract it, I divide by how many people are in my house, which is just my brother and I, and then that's it. You know, like, mm-hmm. like there's no, there's no statistics required. There's no like chemistry in this required. There's nothing, no chemical math, no higher math, nothing. It's just like, when I look back on it, I'm like, I too should not have worried so much about getting better grades because C's do do make degrees. I probably I don't remember what my grades were when I graduated college. I probably got a couple of C's and some some B's and maybe one or two A's. And I am perfectly happy with that because had I known where my career is gonna take me and where I would be, you know, in all aspects, I I I probably wouldn't have taken a lot of actions I did, but because of that I think I'm a better person now. Um, I think just overall not caring about all, all that stuff definitely makes me, you know, feel relieved in a way. Um, yeah. So if you're worried about your grades right now, you know, it's all good. You know, your, your grades are not going to cross over to when you're a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Although right? 
one would argue that you should know the an- the anatomy of a body if you're going to be a doctor. Oh, absolutely. But even <laughs> if you get a C in that class, you know, it's not like you're going to end the world or whatever. You know, um, uh, have have you ever heard of baccalaureate? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that you can go to a community college and it's just kind of like if you didn't do well in one class, that's needed for say like an LSAT or needed for um medical school you can re- retake that class and it'll re like it'll either average the grade or it will show that like you did better uh, oh nice because you passed the class but it's just kind of like yeah it's just like i feel like in any situation is just never too late yeah absolutely yeah i think in hindsight um I could have done, I think for, and this is just the way that I operate. This is the way that I study. This is the way that everything happened. In hindsight, I probably would have done better in school if I didn't have to work a few part-time jobs and if I didn't join like certain clubs and if I didn't like, if I say like did did summer school versus like take this certain experience or whatever. But I think that those experiences shape to who I am as a person today. And like, even though I'm not like, like, even though it like, I what have like a 2.93 GPA is just kind of like, well, I feel like all of my college experiences have prepared me better for my professional career than any databasing class that I ever took, which is no longer even relevant to the field that I'm in. Right. So, I I pretty much like I I would also tell my college self like you know what just fuck it just go go to the club meeting you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah like you know don't even worry about that just go or, to the meeting and have fun and meet a bunch of people that will last longer than your grades yeah or like the times when the times when I like skipped out on like going to like a study hall and instead like with my roommates we binged chopped or something and i remember like i would be like so worried like wow i didn't go to the study hall and now i'm just like yeah but now you're like best friends with your roommates and you know like i said in the end like you graduated so it's whatever yeah no totally i something that i kind of want to build off of that is when i was in college i i worried a lot about a supportive network meaning that i i really wanted to have a lot of friends I don't know why I thought that way, but maybe I just wanted to have that full college experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I threw a lot of parties at my house, actually. Um, surprisingly, uh, there were a lot of people that came and like every Friday, it seemed like we always had a party. Um, but if I could go back in time and tell myself like, hey, honestly, like you don't need this many friends. Um, only a handful of friends that support you and actually are real homies instead of the fake homies, then... Those are the ones that are going to stick with you for life because, um, yeah, I mean, I was so worried about that up until the end of college about just having a lot of friends and knowing a lot of people that it kind of didn't work out in my favor. And I I wish I didn't worry about that too much because to this day, I don't have like hundreds of friends, you know, despite what Facebook says. (laughs) That's just like people that add you, you know, you don't really have to talk to everyone on Facebook. (laughs) But for me... I just wanted to, you know, be someone that was known. And now I don't, 
I feel like I don't need that anymore. I just, I feel like I just need a couple of people to understand me, support me, some people that I can talk to. You know, like of all the people that I met in college, there are only a handful right now that I can name off the top of my head that I can talk to and have like a one-on-one deep conversation with. Um, yeah, and even in my own department, in my own, uh, in my own major, I was so worried about like making friends in my own major. I was like, man, I there was a part of me that really didn't feel like I fit in and going back and thinking about it, like, yeah, maybe I didn't fit in with the people that were there because everyone wanted to be a director. Everyone wanted to be, you know, the next big director in Hollywood. And for me, it was like, I was, I was like, I don't want to go to LA. I want to stay up here. But of course having a film career and staying in the San Francisco Bay area is like, what's the point of doing that? If you want to, you know, do what you want to do. Um, so I focused my attention on new media, which was like, you know, YouTube, Vimeo, uh, Twitch, like that's, that's new media. And I became, you know, more interested with cameras and how cameras work, bit rates work from like an editing perspective. And if I could go back and tell myself like, Hey, you don't need to worry about any of that. Honestly, like you'll, you'll, you'll follow a career path that has elements of that, but it won't be that 100%. And yeah. You know, I I really thought about becoming a freelance filmmaker, you know, when I graduated because I didn't know where I wanted to go with my film career. I only knew that I liked cameras and I liked being a cinematographer. I liked being a DP, a director of photography, and that's it. And right now, part of my job does include video editing, actually. So there's elements of the cinema department, cinema aspect that have come into my job and I, I enjoy it. Like I, in my current gig, I wear a lot of hats, anything from like editing small videos to like, um, talking to like clients. So it's not just the main focus of my job, which is like video stuff, but there is some room for creativity, some room for input, which I like a lot. And on the side, I get my other creative fill by working with friends, like, you know, making random YouTube videos or just like, you know, planning out shoots such as like that Terrace House parody that we've talked about before that you, of course, were involved in, Elisa. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I get my creative outlet from. And if I can go back and tell myself all this, then I would be probably a happier person. But, you know, I don't regret any of it. I I feel like all of that, all those experiences kind of uh, taught me the hard way. You know, like you don't have to be friends with everyone. You don't have to follow your major to to a t there's more than just becoming a director in the film department there's like you know being someone on the back end like an editor or yeah like work working with licensors working with studios you know like you don't have to become a filmmaker you can become um a film producer or like you know a, a gaffer or something like you know there's there's different aspects of it so i mean again i don't regret it but if i could tell myself that my life goes in a different direction for the better, I would probably do that. For sure. Very solid advice. Absolutely. Last random piece of advice I wish I t- my 20 my college self knew was I wish that I utilized my kitchen more in college and I had more or I in the time that I spent like buying food i wish i cooked a lot more and that's simply that that's just more from a core standpoint of i 
think everyone should know how to cook essentials. And I wish that I did that a lot more in college and just kind of developed um, a method to the madness. A lot of stuff that I'm learning about cooking, I actually learned after I graduated. But I wish that I experimented a lot more in college. Yeah. Yeah. But it's never too late. Never too late to learn, Elisa. So... Oh yeah, no. Like I yeah. said, I, I like the like a lot of the stuff that I'm learning is like from now is I'm doing it right now. But I wish that I had an earlier start, as because I had so much time to spend in college. Right. Right. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it. Yep. And I think that's like the last thing I wish I told my college self. And then there's yeah. probably like some stuff related to like relationships. But I was just going to say I, that. <laughs> I feel like I can talk for hours about relationships. I just want to say one final word about that and building off of that. Um, I would go back in time and be, tell myself, hey, don't worry about getting a girlfriend. Don't worry about any of that stuff because, you know, things like that happen naturally. Um, kind of on a personal side note, I met my current girlfriend through mutual friends and I was so worried about having a relationship in college and just like, you know, building off of that and understanding that, that I got kind of got caught up, caught up in all that. Um, so much so that it, it, it ruined a friendship and you know, it, it, it kind of steered my life in a direction that I <laughs> didn't, that I didn't think at the time was a good thing, but thinking back now and thinking back and reflecting on uh, those experiences, I think it was for the best. And I would tell myself, you know, if I could go back and be like, Hey man, you're going to meet someone in the future that is pretty much you, but a girl and she's so fun, but I'm, I can't tell you anything besides that. You know, it's like, I don't want to break the, I don't want to break the space time continuum. Um, so yeah, no, in a nutshell, I would tell my, my past self not to worry about any of that stuff because like, yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. You just got to wait, you know, got to wait. <laughs> That's a good one. I yeah. think, um, my really quick thing on relationships is, uh, I think that it's okay if you and someone drift apart, but it's not, and it's not because anything bad happened. It's just because somewhere down the line, your interests started to change and you two started walking different paths because, um, I had a, I had a long-term on and off relationship that was just like, so like, so winded. And it basically lasted until college, and then about, and then the, the relationship ended. But, um, like part of it had to do with the fact that we were just no longer into a lot of the same things. And of course, like when when a breakup happens, it's the end of the world, especially when you're that young. But now it's just kind of like, yeah, like of course I wouldn't date someone who didn't have the same interests as me. So I, what I have the, the piece of information that I have, not just for that actually, but for friends is, you know, it's, it's okay. If sometimes you guys drift apart simply because you guys drift apart, nothing ever needs to be like a finite. We got into a huge fight over this or this person did that. And like, I just couldn't talk to them anymore or just like, yeah, there was this huge issue. Sometimes the issue, sometimes the issue is just simply like, you know, life goes on and people change. 
absolutely. That's actually a good one because going back to my thing about worrying about a supportive network and a group of friends, it's like I there were some people that I hung out with a lot even after college. I still hung, I hung out with them, and but now it's like I don't talk to them anymore, and that's just that's just normal, you know. Some people are like, yeah. why don't you why don't you talk to so and so? I'm like, you know, I just don't feel like I want to, and that's yeah, okay. Exactly. That's okay. You don't have to worry about not talking to so and so or you know trying to be friends with that person anymore. Um, sorry, this is my final thing. I swear. I recently caught up with a friend that knew had really big goals and aspirations, and that friend met a part of those goals and aspirations. And I started talking to them, and I just didn't really feel that connection anymore. You know, it's like we didn't talk to each other for like a couple years, and then we finally talked to each other, and I was like. I don't think I could be your friend anymore. And I was talking to my girlfriend about that. And she's like, well, you guys seem like you were good friends before. I'm like, yeah, we were. But like now it's just, I just feel like I don't need to talk to them anymore. They have their own life going on. They have their own set of friends. They have their own group going on. And now it just seems like I don't really fit into their life puzzle anymore. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. That's totally okay. You don't have to worry about mending and bandaging every single friendship that you had or have. Totally. If you, got, if you drift apart, hey, that's life. If you really, really, really want to chase that, you know, that, that friendship and pursue that, then by all means, like, go ahead and do that. But sometimes it's just better if you let it go. And then sometimes things come together after you drift apart so life works in mysterious strange dumb ways so you never know what's gonna happen yep man alisa this is a deep talk podcast oh god i can go into relationships forever but like i can't do it tonight. <laughs> i can't do it tonight oh jesus we should do we should do another side quest where it talks about that stuff so hey if you're listening to the side quest comment on our discord about love related questions ah and- no and we will okay. I, okay no maybe not towards us but like ask general questions ask like if you if if you need advice on something we will answer but don't ask us personal questions about our don't love ask lives us personal i don't questions. i feel really uncomfortable talking about that on the podcast actually <laughs> because you don't know who's listening but um for the most part hey if you if you have if you have any romance advice that you need us to give you we will answer it on the podcast on the next edition of side quest um uh we'll see how far that goes if we don't get enough questions um we won't make the whole side quest solely about relationships and love but um we'll see how many questions we get so yeah, yeah. Oh, i think that'll be been... they'll be fun this we should have done it. yeah we should have done it for valentine's day but hey it's fine it's never too late <laughs> it's never too late yeah oh man i'm excited Uh, now to completely go into entertainment um i finished part six of terrace house opening new doors which is the last eight episodes of the series and my goodness if that was not a complete 180 of what happened in part five so different which was like the like probably like as wholesome as part two absolutely one yeah. Yeah. And um, we, we went from like, oh, everyone's getting along pretty well to, 
holy shit, everyone hates each other. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that that was insane. Um, I can only say that it was a good end to this season. Like, have you <sighs> noticed that part? The last part of every terrace house, some crazy shit happens. Like, I know opening new doors was the whole Risako Yui and Io battle. And I, Maya was included too, but Maya was, I feel like, was a bystander who was thrown into it by Yui, who was trying to cause drama. Yeah. Like, and then obviously Sherry, in like, you know, no need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the big one, um, Rikopin and Hayato with Tokyo. You know, Jeremy, I, my one question for you about the Terrace House series is, do you think that the producers and the way that this TV show is ran is going to co- reconsider how they shoot the series just because of all of the meta that's happened this entire season. I think, and like, don't like, I'm not completely following the whole process of Terrace House, but I feel like when the whole Rico Pin and Hayato thing happened and, and Burns called it out, it was like as if a, f- a switch was flipped of a possibility that like, I never thought was actually possible on Terrace House, which is that they would hide something off cameras. And then at that point, I actually thought that the cameras were on the entire day. I didn't know that they stopped filming like at a certain point and that they didn't even film like every day for Terrace House. So like that was just like a whole different factor. And I think that what we see with opening new doors is that the cast is is basically caught on and is smart now to think whether you're Risako, who is trying to think of a storyline to further promote herself on Terrace House, or whether you're Yui, who you came into the house and you tried to convince everyone that you're innocent, but it turns out that you're not actually innocent that at all behind the scenes. It's like... It's like, do do you think that the producers like the fact that there is a meta of like there's drama because there's things happening off camera? Or do you think that they don't like the fact that there were things happening off camera? I mean, Sena and Noah is another example, but you get you get my gist. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, I think they like that because it's happened a couple times now. And even if they couldn't control it, I do still feel like it's a little bit scripted, a little bit controlled, simply because this is just how they want the show to end. You know, they want the show to end on a, on a really big note, but also for the whole cast to reconcile, you know, to show that despite, you know, trouble sometimes we can all still be friends. I think that's kind of the end message they always want to have at the end of every season, you know, given the amount of Terrace House seasons that are on air, um, and that have existed and how many people have been on Terrace House. I would say not everyone could be friends after every season, especially this one. It feels like the people that kind of became friends at the very end with each other, like Kaito and Maya, um, Risako and, Mas- and Masao, 
uh, and uh, Yui and Ayo. I think they all separately became friends with each other and just went their own ways. I don't know. I of course, you know, I'm just speculating, but you know, it seems like what the media is telling us. It seems like what the show direction is telling us is that uh, that's just how it's going to be ended. As even though some parts here and there are scripted, it's very clear to me that the first two parts had more chemistry than the last part and yeah i i do think that like i'd be shocked if yui and risako specifically are still friends or are are friends (laughs) at all yeah i think riko pin and hayato's is my favorite um end to tara's house because it was just like the first time i ever experienced an off-screen meta moment and then Sherry was just like, I hated Sherry, so it doesn't matter. And then in Risako, and then I'd rate Risako and Yui second because, like, I was really rooting for Risako. Like, first of all, like, God, Yui really threw Maya under the bus. Like, yeah. what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, I hate that. Okay, I'm sorry because. What annoys me about the whole situation, and I'm saying this because I am also kind of a tomboy, and I understand the mentality that Maya has. So Maya gets along with the boys, but the thing is is that she's already established that she likes one of them. So the fact that she already established that she likes Kaito only, she's like, it's very clear that she's only hanging out with the boys just because, like, she's friends with them but then yui like throwing her under the bus um like you know like to just cause all of this drama with maya and risako really annoyed me just because i've been in that type of situation before oh yeah for sure and then i was just like i was like dude i don't know what's going on right now and i don't know know why they're arguing over socks and like i'm confused like where this is all rooted and then finally like you realize oh it's all rooted in yui like (laughs) which is like ridiculous she's a little snake she's a snake god my favorite moment of the whole drama was when risako wakes up yui while she's sleeping and risako just goes how far did you go with io (laughs) and then yui is like trying to act hella dumb that was like my absolute favorite part because you you see in her eyes how she got caught and then all of a sudden and then all of a sudden she wakes up she's like Ayo I need to talk to you and I'm just like (laughs) this is amazing this is like this is absolutely amazing it's good (laughs) good good TV good good stuff (laughs) I know yeah um, that that part where she was like oh I fucked up you know it's like she was trying to cover her tracks to make sure that she wasn't the one that was causing all this but hey you couldn't hide for long yeah pretty much and then, um, man, I think like what so so Mas- uh, Masao and then Risako ended up not working out, obviously. And I think, okay, so it is unfortunate that they didn't work out, but there were parts about Masao that I feel like had the same tendencies as Shohei, where like he was like coming on really strong. <laughs> Yeah, but, no, but the, I thought but the that only, too. The only difference is that Masao actually recognized that he doesn't think that Risako sees him as boyfriend material, 
but he had to put it out there that he liked her anyways because just the idea of putting it out there might change her mind but like he was definitely more self-aware of like her feelings i got you i i feel like he he definitely had the more mature vibe to him and he knew how to control everything um but i don't know it just like he did seem a little bit too forward but i still liked him you know i still oh, thought he was, he was like he was like the best part of part six yeah he and, like, definitely food he cooked like oh yeah and Enon was on it. Like, what the heck? Like, yeah, the fact that he was believe- the bassist for Gesu, which is like a great band. I'm like, holy crap! <laughs> and Enon, who's like legendary status as like, like in terms of like his like infamy in Japan is like, crazy. yeah, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I feel like there was a point where. I feel like I would have liked Re- I wish Risako actually made a friend in Terrace House. Like and I yeah. mean like a girlfriend, like like Subasa or something. I just feel like the the crowd that like what if uh Masao and then and Risako hung out with Shohei, Taka, and Seina while they were drinking. You know what I mean? Like, that mm-hmm. vibe. Like, I just feel like... I just feel like it was... This season had a lot of personalities that I feel like would have gotten along with each other. They were just not in the same parts. I, w- I was happy that it ended. Um, Boys and Girls in the City still holds a very special place in my heart since it was the first season I ever saw of Terrace House. And every other season after it felt like, for me personally, it was trying to live up to that. I, I mean, it really wasn't, but for me, I felt like every season after that had to live up to this. But I feel like Opening New Doors came to... The Opening New Doors season came a close second to me emotionally uh, <clears throat> when it came to uh, Terrace House rankings. Because... I really like the characters in this. Well, why am I saying characters? I mean, like the the actors in this one. It, it just everything just felt so natural. Um, everyone had a place in all of this. Uh, uh, the setting was really nice. Um, there was enough drama for me to keep me engaged, to keep me wanting to watch the next episode after and after and after. Um, you know, it always starts out questionable for me. Boys and Girls Next Door. Sorry, Boys and Girls in the City uh, was always the season that in the beginning I was like, okay, I know where this is going. And it just got better and better and better. Uh, Boys and Girls Next Door, the very, very, very first season, all of Terrace House, was always good from the get-go, I think. Um, but Aloha State started kind of slow. Opening new doors kind of started slow. Um, bless you. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just feel like this, is, this, this was a really, really good solid season overall um it it started okay but it ended pretty well i think from from a tv drama perspective this was a really good terrace house season you know like it just it it hit all the right notes it hit everything there were couples there were there were breakups there were there were people getting mad at each other yeah it was just it was good and i can't wait for the next series set in tokyo yeah, um, I understand why they chose Tokyo. I just more of, but it's just more like, yeah, there are more locations. But 
I mean, they want us around it with the Olympics, which is fine. I will say, um, I, I made this argument before, and I still believe in this argument, that one of the reasons why it was hard for a lot of the opening New Doors cast to get along with each other is because they were never in the house together because they had to travel a lot for work unless you're Subasa or Yui who live in Karuizawa where you have Tokyo boys and girls in the city where they all had a job in Tokyo and they did that on purpose and like you straight up had like people commuting to Tokyo from Karuizawa Ugh. and it just and like it just makes sense to me that like whatever city is chosen like it, it's becoming more clear to me that whatever city is chosen next like, they have to be near their job, like, overall. Part 2 is still the best, though, I think. I think Part 2 had the best chemistry. But yeah. Part 6 was yeah. definitely definitely brought all the drums, so what can I say? I, I think, for me, Part 6 is the best because it brought Masao and it brought Gesu, my, one of my mm-hmm. favorite Japanese bands ever. Um, so, couldn't compete with that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was definitely a a shock to see someone that's already established as a famous personality on Terrace House. This is the first time that they've ever had someone that's already been recognized before. And it definitely yeah. felt different. I, I knew the vibe was going to be different and I was, I was right about that. And I was actually really, really against it when, he, when they first showed him. Cause I, I, I knew him from a couple years prior, like him as the bassist of Gesu. And I was like, I actually, didn't want him to be on the show because he's already a recognizable person. And yeah. and it turned out no one really knew who he was when he walked in. He's like, hey, I'm a, I'm a bassist for a fairly famous band. Hey. They're, like, they're like, I don't know what band. He's like, oh, guess who? They're like, oh, crap, you're that guy. And, and <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, two and two together. But um, yeah, I was actually against him being on the show. But after a while, he actually grew on me and he became one of my favorite members. Yeah. Yeah, I, yep. I like. I was, I was shocked that it was even his band. So, um, this is it, it, this was a pretty huge reach of a character. Like, I don't know if we can get any. I don't know if we can get better casted than him. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, I think they're gonna bring more famous people into the next Harris House because it's fucking you know Tokyo. Tokyo has is pretty much the Hollywood of Japan. But yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I'm not I, a I huge think, fan. Yeah, I, 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 they may be going in that direction because basically what I anticipate, because like the thing about Terrace House is there are points of it that are like a little bit planned and scripted, but I think that the fact that the cast can is now really aware of it, I think we're gonna see a lot more like. I think Terrace House is at this point in time is probably less believable than it was three years ago. So yes, yes, yeah, we're re- like we're really reaching a point where, like, now we're gonna see a lot more personalities played out because it's n- like because they know that th- the camera's not being shot the entire time and they're they're exploiting it so. And yeah. the fact that it's going to be located in Tokyo, I wouldn't be surprised if there are more like celebrities on the show. <sighs> well, I, that's what will bring people in. That's the nature of it. Hey, maybe get Pierre Taki on there. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, Alisa, where can people find us? If you 
go to www.downtime.live. There's a Discord link, and you can email us at contact.downtime.live. And you can go to any of the platforms where we have the podcast, so YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, anything, and you can leave a comment, and we'll read it out. And if you listen to our podcast through Apple Podcasts or iTunes, leave a review. And for the next episode, um, ask us a random question, a relationship question, and we will give you advice on it. Not not about our personal lives. Yeah. <laughs> Please stay away. Yeah, because uh, I don't. I actually kind of don't know what your like your rom- romance philosophy. So it'll be interesting. So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, and um, thank you for listening to Side Quest. Have a good night. Have a good one. Peace. <laughs>